thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Hi, everybody. So this is uh, Jamie Grace. She's a lot younger, actually. And I gotta take time to hear that little voice inside saying I came to give you life. wings and I'm gonna share this out. Life big Jamie Grace. <laughs> That's right. I love that. That's so cute. All yeah. right, we'll go ahead and take that out. So now you guys probably wonder why do I take out the headset after the song? It's because I don't need to hear myself, and because for whatever reason, like I don't know, two or three months ago, I was listening to myself and it was so loud in my ear that my ear was ringing, and now and it hasn't actually stopped. <laughs> How many of you guys have ringing in your ears? It's very unsettling. Yeah, it is. And you all <laughs> might wonder why I keep my headset on. And that's because the AV guy, I want to monitor what I think you, all y'all are hearing, what you should be hearing. So yeah, I want to monitor that. Yeah. All right. So, hey, did you guys watch the Super Bowl? Did you? Huh? Did you see the Patriots won? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. <laughs> and I, 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 and I can tell you honestly, I didn't watch one second of the Super Bowl. I, I saw all my Christian friends afterwards putting up poop emojis, and they're very upset with the outcome. So you know what? We're not going to talk about it. Just so you know, that's it. Pfft. Super what? <laughs> Actually, I, I don't mind because. I, you know, I, I wasn't invested in it in any way, except to watch people get upset when the Patriots won. 
And it was actually a uh, topic of discussion uh, at Pickleball this morning when I was there. So, uh, yeah, lots of my friends were like, Tom Brady. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're like this. They're like holding their arms in front of themselves discussing it. <laughs> yeah. And so many people actually said it was a snoozer of a game. Even the commercials were boring. So, yeah. Well, see, there you go. I didn't miss anything. All right, so what hey, we're going to do today, go I, ahead. I was going to say, I heard that the commercials were just weird. Weird? Like, didn't make any sense. I haven't seen any of them. Hmm. But as I commented on someone's Facebook post who was talking about the weird commercials, and that being somewhat connected with the video marketing industry, my, my guess is that the really big brands that have money just to blow, um, you know, because of that five to seven second rule that... The experts tell us we have to capture someone's attention. You know, this is the Super Bowl. People are going to go up, use the bathroom, go get snacks or whatever. They're looking to be just really avant-garde as they can just to grab that attention. But the the victim in all of that is the, the brand and the message gets totally lost. As avant-garde? Yeah. That's so, like, snooty-sounding. Snooty-sounding. Seriously? To me. Avant-garde? All right, so let's... Uh, anyway, so, you know, I, I just think... And, and I've seen that in past Super Bowl commercials, or, or even just more recent commercials that are done by the with the multi-million dollar budget kind of things. They're just trying to be so... I can't think of a better word than... Or better description than avant-garde. They're supposed to... You know, so out of the ordinary, so, <laughs> you know, that that the whole brand and what they're about is lost in. It's like, okay, that was weird. What are they selling? You know? <laughs> A lot of the new commercials are that way. That it's like, well, that was, that was kind of entertaining. That was kind of weird. But what are they about and what are they selling? And it gets lost. Anyway, hmm. I'll be quiet now. Back to you. No, back. It's me now. Your sweet and lovable hosts. The real reason you tune in. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Oh, come on. Enough already. <laughs> okay, no. All right, so, uh, so Gina said she was just listening to Jamie Grace. Danielle said hi. Hi, just so you know. Hello. And let's see. Uh, um, let's see. Um, so, you know, I didn't watch the Super Bowl, haven't seen the commercials, and then Sea to Shining Sea. What's your name, Sea to Shining Sea? What's your first name? Oops. Do I know this? I'm trying to debate if I know. Do I know your first name, Sea to Shining Just tell me your first name and hit me later because I forgot it if I know it. Ah, <laughs> uh, wait. Okay, wait a minute. I just lost the comment because I hit the wrong button. All right, let's see. Okay. Uh, okay, so Daniel says, I enjoyed it, but like only one commercial with Harrison Ford's ordering food with Alexa. And from what I've heard is that they could not even fill the seats. Patriots winning was prophesied the win. Melanie wants to know what she missed. Lou, that's right. I think you did tell me that before. Hi, Lou. All right. And then, of course, I see Mia, superhero paramedic, and Melanie who is a superhero in her own right. Jonathan. Rob. Hey, Rob's here. Andy, I think. Are you real? Are you? Well, I don't know. Anyway. Whoever else is there. Is there anybody else there? There. All right. All right. So I said hi to everybody. I think. <laughs> Our massive audience. Yeah. I actually got an email from Josephine. Um. Zanetti? Her, yes, Zanetti. Uh, yes, this morning, or was it today? Anyway, it was sometime today because uh, we were talking to her. And she actually said to me, and I quote, well, it's just a, this is a, not quite a quote, but it's kind of sort of a quote. She said, you should have way more listeners than you do. <clears throat> and I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's funny with the, all the platforms spiking the show and not letting anybody see it. 
And, you know, and I don't have marketing dollars like I get from Legal Shield to like market. So anyway, hey, Annie, Annie's there too. So, you know, so here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to look at some of the news of the day. Well, I want to start with this story over on the religionnews.com website. You do, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's the lead story. I don't want to be like Glenn Beck and all these other people who drag out the thing and they don't get to the main story. So this, I saw this, I thought, this is interesting. So it says here, atheist minister Greta Vosper hopes to stay at Canadian church for the long haul. So this is up in Canada, and I know I have a number of you guys that tune in from Canada. So I was thinking about you when I saw this. It says this, Greta Vosper is surprised to still be a minister. In 2013, she told her congregation that she was an atheist. That led to calls by denominational leaders for her to be fired. How intolerant. Just saying. (laughs) After about five years of divisive discussion and debate, the United Church of Canada has decided to let Vosper remain as a pastor. I was very surprised, she said. I was totally convinced. Ellipsis. I would end up outside of the church. Every indication suggested that that's what was going to happen. Imagine that. (laughs) The unexpected decision was made in November, just prior to a formal hearing to determine her suitability to be a member of the clergy in Canada's largest Protestant denomination. That hearing was canceled after the two sides reached a settlement. Vosper's troubles began in 2013 when she publicly declared herself an atheist, despite serving as a minister at West Hill United Church in Toronto since 1997. Things came to a head in 2015 when she issued a public letter denouncing, quote, the existence of a supernatural being whose purposes can be divined and which once interpreted and without mercy must be brought about within the human community in the name of that being, unquote. In the 2016, uh, the Toronto conference to which her church belongs conducted a review that found Vosper, quote, not suitable, unquote, to continue as a minister because she was no longer in, quote, essential agreement, unquote, with the denomination statement of doctrine. Okay? A technicality. (laughs) The conference also found she was, quote, unwilling and unable, unquote, to reaffirm the vows she made when she was ordained in 1993. Conference leaders asked the general counsel, the denomination's top governing body, to conduct a hearing on Vosper's status. My phone just fell here. Wait, hold on. Get back there. Okay. (sighs) But before the hearing took place, the Toronto conference and Vosper reached a settlement on November 7th to let her keep her job. In a brief joint statement, the Toronto conference, Vosper and West Hill Church said the parties had settled all outstanding issues between them. Terms of the settlement are being kept confidential. The United Church declined to comment on the settlement in an open letter to the denomination. The right Reverend Richard Bott said that there are a variety of feelings about Vosper's ministry. Quoting a previous moderator, he said that the church was struggling with two core values which are central to our identity. The first is our faith in God, wrote Bott. (laughs) (laughs) yeah thank people (laughs) the second is our commitment to being an open and inclusive church Mm -hmm. with no identity apparently right the decision about vosper reveals the dance between these core values and how they interact with and inform each other he added vosper said she was unable to discuss the settlement due to signing a non-disclosure agreement still she said there's nothing in that that influences what i'm able to do i'm able to function in ministry with all the rights and privileges that clergy have she isn't sure why the church decided to settle but suspects one reason might have been to avoid ongoing negative media attention over the issue that no doubt she brought to them you know, it's not stated, but just a hunch, you know, just kind of a hunch there. Bosper also thinks it was because church officials realized she wasn't about to give up. No, she wasn't. An angry atheist in the midst of us. Uh, it may have been simply that the church had been betting on my backing down because of the financial burden. She said Vosper said she run up more than $200,000 in legal bills. 
A fundraising group called the Friends of Greta Vosper has raised about $80,000 of that total, and she and her husband have paid the rest. Vosper was willing to go through with the hearing, even if the ruling went against her. She said she is fit for ministry in the church. She said she believes what she was taught in seminary. Everything I teach is consistent with the theological training I received, the 60-year-old said. I was taught the Bible was a human construction, and there's much wisdom in many texts, both ancient and contemporary. During her studies, Vosper said she learned that the Bible isn't the only source of spiritual or moral authority. If the Bible is not the authoritative word of God for all time, she says, why does it take such a central position in the United Church? Despite all that this has happened, Vosper said she is still committed to being a minister in the United Church. She loves her congregation, and the United Church is still her home, despite her disagreements with denominational leaders. I still feel that this is my denomination, she said. This is my heritage, and to refuse to allow me to participate and continue in ministry felt like a betrayal. There you have it, peoples. <laughs> there is so much I could say, but Bareface, what do you think? I got to get your opinion because, because, first of all, this is why you should not go to seminary. Just saying. I mean, this clearly was a liberal seminary, maybe, apparently, that she went to. Um, because it clearly didn't teach biblical doctrine. You think? No, I know, apparently. <laughs> what a crock is what somebody's saying in the chat room. Yeah, obviously the congregation doesn't care. Yeah, I know her local church board and the congregation can oust her. Obvious. Yeah. It, yeah, Melanie says, what is she ministering about if she is an atheist? And she's not eligible. Hello. All right, so... And Annie's at Arby's. She's waiting for a bus. Just so you know, that was said as well. Annie, go get that. Stay warm. Yeah. Okay. And Gino Pasta just showed up. All right, Bareface. What do you think? What do you think of this? I'm trying to, I'm just trying to wrap my head around it. It's, it seems crazy that we're even discussing this. Um, Does it why? really? <laughs> Well, it tells me a lot about the United Church uh, of Canada. It's united. Oh, Canada! It's it's united <laughs> around a, a non-existent identity. Uh, we're open and inclusive, so we don't stand for any particular thing other than being open and inclusive to any belief, any person. We're just a group of people that agrees to disagree or. Or just celebrate our dis. I don't. I mean, that's. I mean, that's like a neighborhood. I mean, that's that's fine for a neighborhood, a community. There's people of different faiths, you know, different, in different political persuasions, whatever, you know. And you need to learn to, you know, get along. You know, go along to get along, kind of thing. Well, not necessarily go along, but just get along. Be truly tolerant. The the true message, you know, the true meaning of the word tolerant. But when it comes to a church, um, we get that from the um, the Germanic Kirk. Um, but in the Scripture, uh, what was translated "church" is the you know the the Germanic Old English Kirk is substituted there is is the Greek word "ekklesia." Right. What it means is the called, called out. Ones. Right. Yeah, it's it's not the lumped together ones. It's it's not the you know, smorgasbord of any kind of belief, atheist, you know, Buddhist, you know, Catholic, Protestant, whatever, come on in and, you know, as long as we're, we can all sing, we know the words to Kumbaya, everything's great. Um, no, Ecclesi is the called out ones, called out from the worldly system, called out because of their identification with the Messiah, with Christ. You know, as as Paul talks about in Romans chapter six, you know, as many were baptized, um, you know, Christ were baptized into his death, you know, and and also, you know, we should be likeness in the likeness of his resurrection. You know, we should walk newness of life, whatever. There's a there's a, a continuum of there of being saved and sanctified and eventually glorified, but Christ is the central figure and and the head 
of the church of the ecclesia as the scripture tells us and i mean that's and without a recognition of christ messiah as the head of the church what what is it Right. It's a it's a it's a club. It's a mutual admiration society. Yeah. And especially when the top person, the pastor of the church is You know I I don't adhere, you know, I don't follow I don't follow Christ. Maybe she recognizes him a, you know, good moral teacher out of this book with some good moral concepts. But in the words of C. S. Lewis, he has not left that option open to us he did not intend to if you really right. understand the scriptures it's right well you, you know i had a i had a number of things go through my mind when i saw this hey kim and and cutie lady yeah you i see you no, I'm just does kidding. she have cuties yeah no and there's kim hey kim <laughs> kim's post made me laugh earlier i'm not gonna say it out loud but i understand kim just so you know <laughs> Um, okay, so a couple of things went through my mind. First of all, the book of Jude actually prophesies this, right? Mm-hmm. It prophesies in the little, little epistle of Jude that in the end, people will come creeping in unnoticed, you know, and all this other stuff, right? And, and they will yeah. introduce these doctrines. What cracks me up, though, is that in this case, she just blatantly came out as an atheist. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a church in... Canada, and I actually just shut the story, so I don't know. Bareface can look it up, but um, uh, well, it was was it United Church? The United Church in of Canada. Canada, but I don't know which particular denomination. Um, well, well, that was the denomination. What particular congregation? Okay. Um, well, anyway, but, so when he's looking that up, so that's the first thing that I that I thought of when I read that. I thought, you know. It's really sad that today you can actually be so blatant. You can just walk in. You can say, hey, you know, I'm an atheist. And guess oh. what? You know, now I'm the pastor. And, but you know what? Here's the truth, you guys. This isn't anything new. There's actually been a movement for a number of years. The last couple of years, a whole bunch of pastors have been coming out uh, saying that they're atheists. They don't believe in God anymore. There's actually a movement. You can actually Google this, and you can see that there are a number of, church, a number of churches out there where this has happened, and that this is actually a movement. And what has happened is these pastors have actually um, formed a network. <laughs> believe it or not, they've actually formed a network uh, because... Um, because they want to minister to people, they love people, but they don't believe in God, they don't believe in Jesus, they think the Bible is a bunch of hooey, blah, blah, blah. And it's sad. It's it's completely tragic. <clears throat> the other thing that I find tragic, and I, and I wonder, because the part of me, I would love to sit down with this lady and say, so what was it that you learned, first of all, in seminary that led you to believe one way over just reading God's word just by itself because frankly that's all i do i yeah seminaries are a dangerous place they are a lot of people call them quote cemeteries people go in there they lose their faith and this is not meant to be funny it's actually true um and you know i could list a number of famous seminaries that no longer adhere to biblical truth you know so there's that but then my my greater question is okay so this happened to her all right so what was the initial outcry in the whole congregation? And how big is this church anyway? So did people leave this church when she came out as an atheist? I would have. I would have. I would have said, see ya. I'm out of here. I mean, you're not going to be my spiritual head. If you are you don't even believe in God, forget that. I'm out of here. You know? <laughs> you know, so this is the destruction, the internal destruction that happens in the church and this is what breaks my heart, you know, and yesterday Randall and I were actually talking. We, we had a very interesting conversation as a husband and a wife. We were eating our dinner and I was sharing with him the insight that I got in my get slug devotion yesterday morning. And he was sharing with me what he was sharing on Saturday that I didn't listen to alive. And it was interesting because we both got the same message. God talked to us differently, though. <laughs> Anyway, we were talking about how one of the callings I think that we both have on our life is I think that we're really called to teach and actually disciple 
you know, which is why I don't really care that I don't have 5 million people following us. I'd rather not have that many because it's just too many people to be paranoid over. Ah, you're following me. <laughs> Get back. <laughs> I'm a reluctant leader at that. If I am one at all, which I am, I know I am, but still, you know, we called to make sure that we're called to disciple. That's what we're called to do. And the reason why this type of stuff I think happens over and over and over again is because there is a very little percentage of the church these days that actually gets discipled. Most people go to church, they sit there, they sit through the canned service, which most churches have. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying it how it is. It is. You can go into most churches, welcome, praise music, announcements, mini sermon, you know, more announcements, closing song, we're done. And maybe there's a prayer in there for two minutes, you know, just saying. So, you know, and, and then if the church, if your church has a Bible study, usually it's not out of the Bible. Usually it's out of some Christian author's book, um, you know, which isn't all bad. But, you know, when the Bible isn't the primary source of what you're reading, it's very easy to get laid weighed with other, you know, um, beliefs and things like that because the doctrine isn't necessarily there. I mean, Randall and I were talking about um, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Was it chapter 1 or 2? Chapter 2, verse 9. The verse that I put up a couple days ago about eye has not seen and ear has not heard what God has prepared for those who uh, who love him. And in the context of that, we always take that verse out of context and think about the future and heaven and all that. That's not the context of that verse. The context is actually him quoting Isaiah, which was a prophecy about Jesus, who he, Paul, happened to see in a risen form, by the way. But it's just, you know, that's what he, you know, was talking about. He was talking about how the disciples and all the church age of that day didn't even imagine how the Lord was going to show up. Not even. It's like, oh. Oh my gosh, no, because we're, we're humans. We think like this in finite ways. God is infinite. He thinks like, well, he, we can't even imagine, right? I mean, that's, that's the truth. So <clears throat> I bring up this story for two reasons. Number one, I want you to see that Bible prophecy is being fulfilled. And number two, you need to be aware of the people who are shepherding you and, and being your shepherd, you know, because if they don't believe in God, I'm like, be, I don't care how nice you are. I love you. We can go out to coffee together, but I'm not going to let you be my spiritual head. That's just not going to happen. Bareface. Yeah. Um, I've found the church's website. It's West, West Hills uh, Church in Toronto. Okay. And uh, they have a section of what we believe. And I thought, well, this should be interesting. I wonder what they believe. Yeah, you know, what do they believe? Typically, you look on a church's website, what believe, and then... And then they give like a sentence and the scripture to go with it. Another sentence, another statement with a scripture that they believe, you know, backs that up. That's the typical church website that I've seen, right? Yeah. Uh, let's let's take a look. I'm going to see if I can't make this where... Um, you can read it? Okay. Y'all can read it. Um, if not, I'm going to read it anyway. This, this is just so... Uh, it's almost a proverb for relativism today. It's 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 it'd be funny if it wasn't so sad. Right. But what we believe they have here on their website, their beliefs. In 2003, when we gathered together to begin writing a statement of faith, we experienced firsthand what statements of belief do. In the same moment that they identify a group, they separate it from others. <gasps> i.e. beliefs divide people into those who belong and those who don't. Oh, my God. Those on the inside and those on the outside. My brother. We discovered that we would rather create a document articulating how we wanted to live. Kumbaya. We, we felt it reflected an aspect of our Christian roots in the early committees who shared what they had had, who shared what they had and became known for how they loved. Well, yeah. Christian roots was they'll know you by disciples by how you love one another. 
But that's the aspect they wanted to keep. It reflected an aspect, not several aspects, an aspect. So we researched statements and of principles and values from numerous organizations. <laughs> Don't why why narrow yourself to you know just Christian organizations or the historical church? From numerous organizations, created a draft, formed a writing group, created more drafts, shared it with a congregation and small study groups, solicited input from outside groups and individuals, and finally created the document that came to be called Vision Works. Vision Works. It was determined, they probably hired a consultant too. It <laughs> probably. Was, it was determined that to keep it relevant and useful, it should be reviewed, it should be reviewed and revised where needed every five years by writing groups, by writing groups, those are most important, uh, with in, invitations from input from those involved with West Hill and beyond. Vision Works has therefore been revised twice since then since 2003 well who knows when they wrote it that's when they sat down decided the statement beliefs were divisive anyway each time with rich discussion new questions deep deliberation and fresh insights we hold ourselves our actions responses decisions and choices accountable to the principles and values we have chosen as our guides for living in right relationship with ourselves with others we know and with others we may never meet. And with all life on the planet. Daunting. Daunting. <laughs> but no less a standard will do. If love for, love for one another is the ultimate good. Mm. There you go. Oy vey. Well, this is why we exist to mock and make fun of stuff like this. <laughs> uh, I clicked on the I clicked on the Sorry. Vision Works. Oh, Vision Works 2009. 2009 is when they wrote it, and it's been revised twice in the past two years. Oh. Um, I clicked on the link, but it says it could not be found. So, oh. so maybe they even jettisoned. Maybe they even did away with Vision Works and thought it was silly just to put anything in writing because everything was subject to you, you know the, new you know, revelation. And... You know the tragedy. I mean, this whole thing is tragic, but what's really tragic is that where are the people in that body of believers, so-called believers, standing up? If they and, are. Uh, apparently not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So what, what kind of court... I, the yeah. fact that this went to, she needed legal representation, so it must have been some sort of either arbitration or or a court of law, I don't know, but yeah. $200,000 of her expense, and people raised 80000 they wanted her as the... Yeah, so she paid 120000 bucks. Her where, and her husband where, are doing all right. Yeah, where did she get her money? That's what I want to know. I need to know how to raise funds like that. <laughs> All right, look. We anyway, can't, we, we have, shouldn't belabor this anymore. No, we have. It's, I have two more. We should stories. maybe have a moment of silence for this congregation. But well, you know what's really sad is that the broad broad is the way to destruction, narrow is the way. Uh, yeah. You know, and it's sad, but really, I mean, in all seriousness, we should. Our hearts should be breaking for them and praying for them, honestly, because. If you if you really believe hell is a real existent place where unbelievers are going to go, then it's really no laughing matter, right? So I it just um, you know, but this is this is how far we have fallen as a culture in the world, and the enemy is on the move, man. He's on the move. So there's an article over here on the Guardian, Randall, the one about the poll. This is uh, titled, Many People in Mostly Christian Countries Believe Values Clash with Islam, according to this poll. Now, this is interesting. I bring this up because this is interesting. Almost one-third in the UK see a rift, finds survey ahead of Pope's visit to Arabian Peninsula. Large numbers of people in Christian-majority countries in the West see a fundamental clash between Islam and the values of their nation, according to a survey. However, significantly fewer people in the Middle East and North Africa view Christianity in the same way. Nearly half the people taking part in the poll in France and Germany, and nearly one-third in the U.S. and the U.K., thought there was a clash between Islam and the values of society in their country. When asked the same question about Christianity, 
25% of people in Saudi Arabia and 22% of Algerians said there was a clash with the values of their country, but the proportions fell to 13% in the United Arab Emirates and 7% in Egypt. The poll on, the poll on attitudes towards religion carried out by YouGov was commissioned by the Muslim Council of Elders to mark the first papal visit to the Arabian Peninsula. Pope Francis is attending an interfaith conference in Abu... Abu Dhabi. Oh, Abu Dhabi. Who knew? Well, anyway, <laughs> and will hold an open-air mass on Tuesday expected to be attended by 120,000 people. Campaigners for religious freedom are highlighting the significance of the historical or historic papal visit to the birthplace of Islam, and hope Francis's message of peaceful coexistence will be heard in other countries in the region where many Christians are denied, denied rights or face persecution and death. The proportion of Christians in the Middle East has fallen to about 4% of the population from about 20% before the First World War, according to the Vatican. Youssef Al-Otabia, or something like that, the U. AE's ambassador to the U.S. said the Pope's visit will send a strong signal across the region and world. People with different beliefs can live, work, and worship together. Well, that's that's only as long as Sharia law isn't being implemented and they're cutting people's heads off and stuff. Just saying. Not everyone will welcome or embrace the message. Across the Middle East, we face the menace of extremism, ignoring the threat or being complacent is too dangerous and will only feed the cycle of sectarian violence that has gripped the region for more than a generation. Meanwhile, human rights campaigners have urged the Pope to use his landmark visit to address the war in Yemen. The UAE is part of the Saudi-led military coalition that has been accused of human rights violations in the country. In a letter to the Pope, Human Rights Watch said the coalition had, since March 2015, indiscriminately bombed homes, markets, and schools, impeded the delivery of humanitarian aid, and used widely banned cluster munitions. In a pointed address in St. Peter's Square shortly before boarding his plane to, how do you say that? Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi, my word of the day. Francis said he was following the situation in Yemen with great concern. He said Yemen's population was exhausted by the lengthy conflict and a great many children are suffering from hunger without being able to access access food supplies. He added the cry of these children and their parents rises up to God. Okay, this is quite long, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. I think you get the point. Okay, so the point is, the point is, is that, that... Christians who actually know the word of God actually believe that Islam isn't co isn't compatible with it. It clashes with it. And yet here you have ecumenicalism in its most prominent form through the Vatican, you know, going out there and basically going, Hey, we're going to a Muslim thing. We're going to go coexist. You guys look, you can't coexist. And the Bible is very clear about that. In John 14, 6, when Jesus answered the question who he was, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, period. Christianity is exclusive, right? It is. And and what drives me nuts is you got people like Rick Warren and others out there who are like purporting this whole idea that we can coexist and can't we all just get along and Chris Lom is is awesome you know the mingling of Christianity and Islam no it's not it's completely an insult to Christ you know and don't tell me that Islam in its most radical form is peaceful because I believe there's like 3,000 some people who were killed on 9-11 here numerous years ago in our country, which is why the Patriot Act, which actually steals our freedom that George W. Bush put into office, actually, and a whole bunch of other stuff, right? I mean, why do you think Trump wants the wall? It's not just because of Mexican people coming in this country. It's because we got Islamic terrorists coming in this country, okay? Just saying. And uh, and, and it's not, we can't coexist. And it drives me nuts that people think we can. No, we can't. The only way it's possible for Islam and Christianity to coexist is if Muslims don't practice their faith. Because when they actually do 
practice their faith, their job is to kill us because we don't agree with them. Drives me crazy. Spot on. You know, talk about can't coexist. Can you have Muslim neighbors? Sure. Whatever. You know, true tolerance. Yeah, but as you say, those who are orthodox Muslims who follow the letter of the Quran to, you know, destroy the infidel, either, you know, put either take their life or put them under taxation in the jizya, mm -hmm. then, you know, there, there's a clash. There's so, a huge clash. Well, and we can, we can do more comparative, you know, yeah. cultural apologetics later, but, but, um, yeah, let's let's do our break here. Uh, there's a couple of things we want to talk about. And then afterwards, I got this article titled Eugenics, Euthanasia, Infanticide, and the Lord's Work. Uh, you guys, look, we have to talk about this because this this idea of infanticide here in America, especially in New York, if you guys saw some stuff I posted on my Facebook page this weekend. Fortunately, it, was, it didn't pass, but the article that I'm going to read you uh, is written by a doctor and a lawyer. She was on our show last year, uh, but I want to read you her article about this because <laughs> in the same, you know, we have these nutty things going on where atheists can lead churches, and now we have people in our country who are advocating for infanticide. I mean, that's a baby being born, and then, oh, let's just let it die because we don't want it. I mean, how the hell heartless do you have to be to do that. And my friend Vicki and a number of you actually sent me articles on how come our government doesn't fund adoption, the other A, right? Ugh. Yes, I know. <laughs> you guys, I know. I get it. Trust me, I get it. Uh, but Ariel Ministries is, 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 our, is sponsoring our show still, and we're very grateful for that. You guys, look, if you want to get some good, solid Bible stuff, go to ariel.org and um, go ahead and, and save 20% whenever you buy anything in there, okay? I mean, there's some good, solid biblical stuff. We recommend the highlights of the life of Christ from a Jewish perspective, the books. There's four book series, and there's also the abridged version. If you get the abridged version, that will be awesome. I mean, it's cheaper than getting all four books, but the abridged version is what Bareface, do you use that one? Or you use, yes. Yeah, this is the one Randall's using. Uh, on the weekends. This will change your life, you guys, if you really get into the meat of it. And I know many of you have shared how uh, Randall's teaching on the weekends really ministers to you and it blesses you. And we're so touched by that because that series Randall and I listened to on cassette tape 25 years ago, right? I mean, <laughs> I'm getting old. I listened to that 25 years ago. It changed my life and it, it helped me to understand the Bible better. Um, so this is the book you should get for sure. The life of the Messiah from a messianic Jewish perspective. It's the best book you'll get, um, you know, for the investment and you'll save 20%. Also on our website, we, we have, um, a number of other resources you can check out too. The, I mean, there's nothing bad on there. We, we only recommend good stuff. We do have the book American amnesia available. If you want to get into some of the American history, uh, that Dr. Jerry Newcomb talked about with us last week. Uh, right there, a donation of $30 to us would be, you know, and I'll send that out to you. And I think I said I would include a magnetic bookmark with for that. <laughs> I, I'm a bookmark lover, -er, especially magnetic bookmarks. They're super cool. These are, I don't know who came up with the idea, but magnets are not just for fridges anymore, people. They're for books. Um, in fact, I don't know. You're not getting old, just wiser. <laughs> Thanks, Kim. I appreciate that. So yeah, this is the, these are the bookmarks and they're really cool. You know, they, they open up and you know, they're magnetic. They're neat. I love books. I love bookmarkers anyway. All right. The other thing you, you want to show the Valentine promo? I think we should at least once. Um, no, no. Seriously. You really don't want to really. Really? No. It, okay. It's on the Bible News Radio Facebook page. So. Okay. Randall doesn't want to show the promo for the Valentine's Day card thingy. But last week, you know, we mentioned that he was going to do it. Uh, for $15, you can have a video Valentine sent to your loved one. All you got to do is have bare face. Her idea. It was my idea. <laughs> All you got to do is, is just go there and have bare face do it for you. Hey, I bought one for my dad, just so you know. 
I, you know, I uploaded a picture of my, me and my dad and I had Randall do a video and I, I haven't even seen it yet, but I'm sure it's awesome because he's awesome. And this is a nice, fun way to, to make your relationship, your love relationship, whatever it is, uh, last forever. You can take the video, put it on YouTube, you know, and for years you put it on Facebook and every year when you're going through your, your feed, you can go, Oh, I remember when I did that. And not only did it bless my loved one, but also support Bible news radio. <laughs> so if you want to do that, that would be awesome. Also, if you want to be a pillar of the community, that means you just commit to donating to us every month. Thank you guys who do it already. I really appreciate it. It means a lot to us. It gives us the opportunity to do more for you. And if uh, also you can go to BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give, become a pillar. And um, if you want to also become a member of Legal Shield or ID Shield, uh, that is also a good way to support us as well. I do have actually three stories here. We're not going to have time to get into them, but well, one thing I do want to say is that right now we're in tax season, right? You're, I, in fact, today I just got my tax benefit from Legal Shield. Actually, it just came in the mail. Uh, we're going to be we're going to be filing our taxes soon, and you are too, unless you're a criminal. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But the tax scams are out there, and there are a number of articles out there about the tax scams that are taking place. So let me just say this. Look, number one, in order to prevent tax identity theft, file early if you can. If you're like me and Bareface, we try, but it doesn't happen. But try to file early. File online. If you do it online, make sure that your computer and antivirus software is updated, and set a strong password for your software that you use, okay? Also, if you get a phone call from somebody pretending to be the IRS saying that you need to give info, don't answer it. Or if you answered it, hang up on them saying, you know what? You're a butthead. You are a liar and a scammer because you know what? The IRS doesn't call you. If they want something from you, they send a letter. Okay. Just so you know, that's a fact, um, you know, and all that. So just be aware that those are out there. Uh, and I probably am going to be doing some type of online presentation in the near future about this because cause it's huge. And identity theft isn't just about, you know, a credit card stuff. You know, according to this, 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 it says this, identity theft also is referred to as identity fraud. It involves perpetrators stealing your personally identifiable information, such as credit card details, your social security number, and they use it to take advantage. Okay. Yes, this is live John Doe. And here's the thing. Last year in 2018, there was over a half a billion pieces of, you know, of information stolen that was breached. So your info is out there. It's out there. It's just a matter of time before some scoundrel uses it. Um, and here's the thing. It says here, if you fall victim to identity theft, it can result in damage to your credit score, direct financial loss, emotional distress. It can affect uh, you through loss of payments, big fees, credit impacts uh, as well. Um, and you can lose your personal accounts and a whole lot more. And it's a big headache. So that's the thing with ID Shield, which is what I sell, ID Shield. For $9.95 a month for an individual, you can protect yourself, right? And we offer up to a $5 million guarantee if something happens with our service and your stuff is stolen, okay? $5 million bucks, that's not that's a lot of money right there. We are very confident in our stuff. We've never been breached like LifeLock has numerous times. And we were rated one of the top ones last year for this service. So here's the thing. If... You want to protect yourself, and I hope you do, you know, go there. Go to bit.ly forward slash LOJ 2019, that's all caps, and click through, send me a message, and I can sign you up, or you can just sign up on the site, okay? Get yourself protected. Don't delay it. And look, the reason I say this is because I'm here every day reading these stories to you, but, but if you can't trust people in the church to be a Christian, to lead a church, how much more so unbelieving scoundrels out there who are just going after your info for the heck of it. <laughs> just saying. 
and I'm not up on it as you are, but the articles that I've read said what's on the rise is criminal identity theft. And that is that people use using your identity to commit crimes. So one thing that come out of identity theft, identity theft is a warrant for your arrest. Yes. That's on the rise. That's going up and up. And that's, that's a really bad thing that can happen if someone steals your identity. Well, and businesses, too. That's also on the rise. Mm. Uh, people stealing business identities in order to get more money because businesses yeah, tend to have more money. Yeah, out and stuff like that. And, yeah. It's it's despicable. I mean, I, I shared a story. Yeah, uh, you know, I did. I shared a story of a woman who pretended to be a nurse, goes into an assisted living on the weekend, with, you know, pretending to be a nurse, getting info, goes in there and scams the elderly people in these assisted livings, which mostly have people with dementia in them. Okay. Of course, these people... Using a valid business name. Yeah. Yeah, these people go ahead. They get the, the poor victims. They give all the info over because they trust these people. You know, and then they do that. That's exactly why I got my 90, almost 91-year-old dad covered by this. Because, frankly, I don't care. I live in Christian, Middle Tennessee. Are you kidding me? I don't trust anybody. <laughs> I mean, I do, but I don't. I'm like, yeah, you're under suspicion until you prove otherwise. You know, especially if you're taking care of my dad. Um, so, you know, it's for the cost of the service, it out, it far outweighs the benefit and the value of it. So just consider that. Okay. All right. So let's get to this eugenics euthanasia one. <clears throat> I was, and you were really, um, just flabbergasted by this article this weekend that we posted on Facebook. So it says here, Marilyn Singleton, who was on our show last year, great, great lady. New York's Catholic Democratic governor had the World Trade Center in lights to celebrate its abortion on demand until the day of birth law. This law was framed as empowering women through guaranteeing reproductive health. Women in New York must be really powerful since New York's abortion rate is twice the national average. This and eight other similar state laws were largely ignored as merely codifying Roe v. Wade, but the state of Virginia's pediatrician governor's ghoulish advocacy for abortion until delivery of the infant was jaw-dropping as he explained that killing the infant after birth was allowed. How can we tolerate this moral regression? Infanticide was the norm throughout ancient Athens and Sparta, where the elders inspected the newborns to ensure that only the strong survived and the weak were left to die. Early Roman law decreed that deformed children would be put to death. Fortunately, by the 4th century, European law, religion, and medicine rejected the intentional killing of an infant. Americans have been sucked in before by pretty words that mask the brutal reality of evolved policies. There was a time when America's best and brightest were teaching Dr. Joseph Mengele. Mengele. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> my my pronunciations, whatever. Anyway, a thing or two about eugenics, the quote, science unquote, of improving the human gene pool for the preservation of society. Mm-hmm. At the first International Eugenics Congress in 1912, a Carnegie Institute supported paper called Preliminary Report of the Committee of the Eugenics Section of the American Breeders Association to study and to report on the best practical means for cutting off the defective germplasm in the human population, also known as the Breeders Report, analyzed the problem of the, quote, unfit, unquote, and the need to find solution to cutting off the supply of defectives. Even black intellectuals jumped on board. The Harvard-educated professor and civil rights activist W.E.B. Du Bois, or Dubois, 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 believed only fit blacks should procreate to eradicate the racist heritage of moral iniquity. The NAACP promoted eugenics theory by hosting better baby contests. The model eugenical sterilization law, 1914, was the blueprint for the sterilization of the socially inadequate, including the feeble-minded, insane, criminalistic, epileptic, inebriate, diseased, blind, deaf, deformed, dependent orphans. How do you say that? Ne'er-do-wells. Ne'er-do-wells. Tramps, the homeless, paupers, and paupers. By the 1920s, 33 states had compulsory sterilization laws. Margaret Sanger 
The founder of Planned Parenthood advocated for mandatory IQ testing for the lower classes and the issuance of government-approved parenthood permits as a prerequisite to having children. Sanger criticized philan- philan- philanthropy. <laughs> philanthropy as tending to perpetuate human waste. So she also proposed that the whole dysgenic population would have its choice of segregation or sterilization. And to put simply, she wanted to wipe out black people, okay? Let's just say it. She is an evil woman. Compulsory sterilization of the feeble-minded was etched in stone by the reverend or the revered liberal Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes in Buck v. Well, which has never been overruled, and concluded that the principle that sustains compulsory vaccination is broad enough to cover cutting the fallopian tubes. With Congress steamrolling exclusively government-controlled medical care with Medicare for All, we must reflect on our past as well as the present policies of our civilized neighbors. What happens when the government runs out of money to pay for everything our politicians promised? The model sterilization's law selling point was that sterilization of those maintained wholly or in part by public expense was cost-effective. Segregation for life cost 25 thousand dollars and sterilization was a mere 150 in belgium a 9 and 11 year old were euthanized for conditions that we in the united states vigorously treat cystic fibrosis and muscular dystrophy canada is considering allowing such barbarism aka medical assistance in dying to be perpetrated upon its children iceland which we have friends there has virtually eliminated Down syndrome through abortion. Coincidentally, the Ministry of Health lists Down syndrome as the most expensive disease for the state-funded health care program. That really just fries me, because if you know any Down syndrome people, you know, that's why don't we just murder the nicest, sweetest people on the planet? I mean, like, just, you know, The British National Health Services Institute for Health and Care Excellence supports the use of quality-adjusted life years to measure the quality and quantity of life added due to a particular medical treatment. If the cost per uh, quality gained exceeds a predetermined amount, the government denies payment for that treatment. Obamacare, Architect, Ezekiel Emanuel's Complete Lives Systems, prioritizes adolescents and persons with instrumental value, i.e. individuals with future usefulness, (laughs) that's debatable (laughs) with some people but anyway with current nursing home costs averaging 7500 per month hospice care could be the default medically necessary treatment for the disabled it was not too long ago that the top democrat official nancy pelosi said republicans pray in church on sunday and they pray on people the rest of the week and while we're doing the lord's work ministering to the needs of god's creation they are ignoring those needs which is to dishonor the god who made them I don't know who's, quote, Lord, unquote, she is talking about. Perhaps the overlords who who aim to take over mankind in sci-fi stories or the Lord of the Flies. The day erecting a barrier to stop drug and human trafficking is considered immoral and killing viable live babies is celebrated is the day that some Americans toss morality into the abyss, says Dr. Marilyn Singleton, who I need to call and have her on our show again because she she rocked it last time she came on. But bareface, you know, I, you people, you guys get it. <clears throat> but as a barren woman, this infuriates me probably more than most just because it's like the callousness of anyone it's... just, you know, I mean, let me just say this. If a puppy was killed instantly after birth mm-hmm. there would be moral outcry like you wouldn't believe because uh, it was rightly a puppy. so right but if it's a baby god forbid we have that little baby around you know what really gets me is people always say stuff like you know how come there's no cure for cancer etc and i'm thinking well maybe it's because you murdered the person that was going to discover it mm-hmm. anyway possible you know it's 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 about sinfulness at the mm-hmm. bottom you know, at the end of the day, yeah. the bottom line is sinfulness. As I was sharing the other day, you know, if you don't want to, if you don't want a speeding ticket, you don't speed. Duh. You know, so if you don't <laughs> want to be l- late, you leave early, right? 
So unwanted speeding tickets, we know the solution. Unwanted tardiness, easy solution. Unwanted pregnancy, oh, terminate the pregnancy. You know, kill the baby. Yeah, and now <laughs> and and I mean, and now they're saying, well, let's do it after they're born. Yeah, exactly. Un- I, I unwanted birth, that. just get rid of it. Um, we, uh, you know, we talk, you know, talk about abstinence. Oh my goodness, what's wrong with you people? Don't you know that we want to play sexual roulette, to have sexual anarchy, and none of the consequences? Yeah, Kim says what um, she said here. Um, what if it was them that was killed at birth? Well, that's the thing. Those who are advocating for this are all living. Duh. I mean, it's like. <laughs> Yeah, somebody, I, I shared this last week, but somebody asked me at Pickleball, do you think there's more evil people today than there are good people? And I said, yes, actually, I do. I do think that there are more evil people today than, than nice people. And this is why. I mean, if you saw that video, and I don't know, maybe I, I won't be able to play it tomorrow because I actually have a guest tomorrow. But if you saw this video of this woman testifying, oh, yeah, we can kill it. And the actual doctor, a medical doctor saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we can just kill it. I'm like, dude, you you understand what, you know, uh, yeah, it drives me crazy. Yeah, you're right. Terrible. Start with the children, then the elderly. They're already doing the elderly. My estranged Dutch husband's family had his grandmother euthanized after she had a stroke. That basically put down. Like a pet. Yeah, man, that, see, that, I think, and forgive me if you disagree, but I, I really frankly think there's a special place in hell for people like this, you know, because, because this is no different than what Hitler did, okay? When you, like, when he sent Christians and Jews to the gas chambers, it's no different. I mean, let's just kill people for the heck of it. And as Dr. Singleton pointed mm-hmm. out, Dr. Mangale, the one that headed up all the... Right. He he got his education from the U.S. In the early 20th century, the whole eugenics movement, Margaret Sanger and all those you mentioned. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, the... Um... We don't have a pretty uh, history in this country. But fortunately, things got better for a time. But yeah, because those pesky believers came over and tried to do something godly. I mean, yeah, we're so horrible, aren't we? But see, they want to wipe us out. Agenda 21 actually wants us out. Okay. They want to wipe us out. Bill Gates, Melinda, they might be sweet people to you, but they're murderers. Really? They, they're funding this. They want us, they, they want to kill off the population because the elite, and I know it sounds nuts to some of you, but it's true. It's all documented. The elite out there, they want the population less so that they can control the world easier. True story. And if Amar- when America falls, and we will, I hope and pray that everybody who has an opportunity to have a Bible and memorize it today actually does. Because at some point, this country is going to fall. And I say that with 100% confidence because the Bible talks about how there has to be a one world government. If there is going to be a one world government and the Antichrist is going to be ahead of that, America is not going to be America the way that we live it today. Okay? So, I'm just saying, gird up, people. You know? I mean, gird up. Because this stuff is out there. This is why we are image life bearers we have to get out there we got to share the gospel save people get them on the right side of history and right side of heaven you know what i mean we need to get them to heaven um because it's not going to be pretty either way so tomorrow i have a very special guest uh her name is diane halfman she is a retired uh undercover police officer she actually was undercover she was a prostitute she played the part of a prostitute busting some bad guys, um, as well as a number of other interesting things. Um, so join me tomorrow at four o'clock for that interview. I actually also will be interviewed tomorrow by her at two o'clock. So if you want to see me get interviewed, which why wouldn't you, (laughs) I have no idea what I'm going to talk about with her, which is going to be funny. Um, but she's interviewing me on her show at 2 p.m. Central. I'm interviewing her on my show at 4 p.m. Central. So it's kind of the Diane and Stacy day tomorrow. Um, so you'll have a lot of us, both of us tomorrow. Um, but I hope you can join us. 
And don't forget, and I know I didn't mention this earlier, but if you're not on my text message list, text the term Bible News to 33222. Get on it. And then every morning I'll send you out a text right before I go on and do my morning devotion. And then right before the show, hopefully I'll remember, you know, (laughs) and all of that. All right. So I hope to see you guys tomorrow. Remember, be bold, stand up and go with God. Please share this out uh, so other people can know about it. Okay. And thank you guys for tuning in. And thank you all for your support. Randall and I, a.k.a. Bareface, really, really appreciate it.